like astrology in the old sense can feel very restrictive and anxious of like, oh, it's Mercury retrograde. I better not do anything during this time. And and I can feel the anxiety rising up inside myself. I can see it rising up in other people. And instead, can can we can we take times where we rethink and allow ourselves to broaden because Mercury is an alchemist. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Relationships. Let's talk about it. And this one is about astrology in relationships. And I have a conversation with Nastasia Noel. And I can tell you a little bit about Nastasia. Nastasia is a lichenologist. And a lichenologist is, you know, the study of those fungi on trees and those really cool uh, white and greenish color fungi that grows on trees. So just to clarify that, she's a lichenologist who traverses outside the fenced pastures of science. And as a biologist, a writer, a artist, an astrologer, Nastasia's work grapples with living in times of profound change. She feels that the earth is birthing something new through each of us. Nastasia has studied astrology for the past 10 years and has found that astrology provides a map of change where each transit is a portal for each of us to become our own compass. Nastasia's website is beinglichen.org. You can find that in the show notes. To schedule an astrological reading with her, click the moon glyph located at the bottom of every page on her website. And in our conversation, it was interesting that we found that when people are undergoing challenges in their relationships and in their personal lives, that astrology and psychotherapy can be complementary, and that the field of psychology has been foundational in the evolution of modern astrology. And it was fun. Also, Nastasia uh, had data and information on the charts of my wife and I, and she did a synergy chart that looked at our compatibility. So we talked about that. And I think that this episode on astrology was also for beginners, because I'm a, definitely a beginner of astrology and I asked a lot of questions and some intermediate stuff, because Nastasia has so much information that those of you that are definitely interested in astrology, I think will enjoy this. And those of you that maybe wanna be open to see how astrology can be beneficial and understanding in relationships, yeah, that you'll enjoy it also. And before we get on to this episode, 
I want to steer you to my new website design. That's right, prepo.com. It's easier to maneuver and it has some new content. And the new content is around my new coaching programs that I mentioned oh, a few podcasts ago. And these coaching programs are for individuals and a separate coaching program for couples. And what sets it aside from my old coaching programs is that I believe that there are themes that are coming up for people around transformation and change. And so I have taken various themes that I believe when worked on, when transformed, when looked at, can create a future that we all aim to be. So these programs for individuals and couples, I would be working with people for a three-month period. We would be meeting a couple times a month for 75-minute sessions. In between, there will be videos and audio content for people to work throughout the months on their own to bring back more juice in the sessions. So if you want to learn more about it and to see what specific themes that I'm talking about, you can go to my website, prepo.com and hit the coaching page. And I collaborated on this coaching program and my website with my beautiful daughter-in-love, Emma Olif. And Emma created my old and new website. She has several other skills around business coaching, social media, and online courses creation. So if you desire to contact her after you see my website, you can find her email in the footer on the bottom of my website. And I'd like to take a moment uh, for my appreciation practice. For those of you that recently donated to my podcast, I'd like to thank Jenna in California and Tom in Florida and Jacob in England, and Marie in Canada. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast that way. And for those of you that are inclined to support the podcast, that you feel that my content is beneficial to you, first of all, please spread the podcast, share it. I love it that people are able to get access to my podcast. If you are inclined to send a financial donation, you can go to my website, prepo.com, click on the podcast page, and you can support the podcast by a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. Thank you so much. Okay, everybody. So here we go. Yeah. Using astrology in relationships. When the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace will guide the planets and love will steer the stars. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, age of Aquarius. Aquarius, yeah, Aquarius.
Here we go, let's talk about it. Hey, Nastasha. Ah, this is cool. I'm glad that you said yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. That this is a topic that I've wanted to do for a while, but felt kind of um, oh inadequate about it. This is not my forte, astrology, of course, but I live it every day with my wife. Um, so I'm excited to be able to venture with somebody who knows a lot more about it and help people along how they can use this as a fun tool. I, I guess uh, we were talking a little earlier about intentions and part of this for me is ease and, and fun and not just black or white and right and wrong. So thanks for, for wanting to do this. Thank you, Prepo. It's such an honor to be able to be here and share share the field of astrology within a relationship context. Mm. I feel like astrology, there, there's more and more people that are getting into astrology these days, especially younger people. And astrology has been changing where it's becoming more about empowerment and opportunities and being able to see each of us as a unique person and that we're in a dynamic person, that we're each going through different cycles and how can we meet our partners and our friends and our colleagues in ways where we can acknowledge that what we're going through personally is different than what they're going through and to see ways that we can align the, the experiences that we've had and the challenges that we've had and the opportunities that we've had and what we've learned and what we're learning and be able to bring those in alignment with the people that we interact with and recognizing like, wow, they're in a different part of life. That's, they might be the same age as me, but they're going through something so different. And what I'm experiencing or what I know about what I think they should do might not be the right thing for them because they're a different blueprint. They're a different, they've got different strengths. Um, They've got, they've got different backgrounds and experiences that are adding into how they're they're approaching their life at this moment. And so I feel like astrology gives us a way that we can dynamically engage with each other that acknowledges our unique uniqueness and really facilitates deep listening, deep listening and curiosity. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that more people want to just utilize another way of understanding each other. It uh, doesn't mean that um, uh, in this world, I think we look at differences so much and uh, intolerance in some ways. And what I love when I have a good perspective with astrology is more tolerance and more acceptance than more differences. So, yeah. Yeah. I also wanna just kind of preference this of this, this, we talked about how to make this palatable for people that are very new to astrology and also people that are into astrology. So we might go back and forth a little bit of the depths of kind of some of the surface aspects of understanding of astrology and relationships and maybe go a little more in depth because one thing that you did which was wonderful, you asked um, mine and rainbows, um, uh, uh, 
what would we, what would you call that birth um birth charting uh <laughs> information mm -hmm. that you wanted as as well as our wedding date and so forth so that you can look at our charts in a what was it called? Synchro a synastry chart. Synastry chart. Yeah. yeah. And so you'll be putting in a little bit about about us, the vulnerability of like where we're at. So I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think when people, you know, a lot of people start off with their sun signs and they look for that compatibility in somebody else, but you being an, uh, a, an astrologer, what would you tell people where to pay more attention if they want to know more about themselves in a relationship and how they work with somebody else in the partnership? Mm, that's a great question. Yeah, you can look at your sun sign, but I think it will, the 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 part to really look at when you're looking at your chart and trying to see like, okay, what type of partner do I want to be in relationship or in friendship with is you want to, you want to look at your descendant. So what you need to do is you need to find out your birth time and your birth location. And then there are a lot of different, different websites online that you can go to and enter in that information and it'll pop up a natal chart. And so that natal chart is basically, it shows what did the sky look like when you were born and on the left side of the chart is what's on the eastern horizon. So it's it's that new beginning and it's what you're becoming into the world. And then on the right side of the chart is the western horizon. And that's where you're going to be able to see like what are you what are you looking for in relationship that is going to bring you out into the world, help you understand yourself in this, in, in this becomingness that you are. Because that's kind of from, from that, this perspective, astrological perspective, we're looking for partners that help us become who we are, mm. help us deepen our understanding of ourselves in relationship with another. And so when you have two people that are both learning about the, the other person as the other person's learning about themselves, as they're helping you learn about yourself, just through the most minor interactions of, of daily rhythms, of ways of communicating, that's, that's going to be deeply fulfilling because it becomes a journey then. You're on a journey both within yourself and you're on a journey with this other person who's also on a journey with themselves. And then you're creating this third element, this relationship that you're on a journey together. It becomes like a, it becomes its own person in that way too. And, and, and so you want to look at your descendant and that's on the right side of your chart. Would you mind if I peeked into your yeah, chair? Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. So Prepo, on on your descendant, you have cancer. Um, and your son is also right close to your descendant. And so what that says is that you shine in relationship with other people. When you're one-on-one -on -one with another person, that's when you can really shine and feel yourself shining. And other people can just feel like, wow, I feel seen by you. I feel the sun shining on me when I'm with you. And it's in the sign of cancer. So cancer, cancer means that you, in a relationship, you want someone who can feel you 
where you can feel at home and share your emotions and be nurtured by the other person. And so it's that cancer element. I always use that. Do you feel me? Do you feel me? <laughs> Come on, brother. Do you feel me? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You want to be felt at, at the mm. emotional level, at that depthful level. So there's cancer's watery. So you want to, you want, it's so important for you to be able in relationship, to have the emotional depth be present in order for you to be fulfilled and feel like you're growing, feel like you're you're a, a full person um, by having that acknowledged. Hmm. I like that. Should we peek at rainbows? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So rainbows descendant is in Pisces. And what's neat is her son is also right close to her descendant in the seventh house. So you both have this the same element of one-on-one types of relationships are where you shine. So hers being in Pisces means that she's looking for someone who can go into into magical realms, into mystical realms together. You totally nailed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally nailed it. And not just in the idea realm, um, but in the emotional realm too. So Pisces can be in the idea realm and Pisces is also in that deep emotional realm. So you you both have this water element. You're both looking for being able to go into feelings together. And your yours is a lot of emotion. Hers is in the mystical. So yours, how am I feeling? She's like, oh, what, what's the mystical element of this? Like, and 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 she's because she's a Virgo rising. So that's that's the ascendant. Virgos can be a lot about the sacred fire, a lot about earth energy. You are also, you're Capricorn rising. So it's also an earth sign. So you're also about making things happen in the world. There's a lot of work and dedication and attentiveness to everything you both do. Capricorn and Virgo, having both of those as your rising signs for you and Rainbow is like, wow, you really work hard. So when you're in relationship, you want to be able to take a step back and take some time to be able to feel, take some time to imagine, take some time to be in stories together, take some time. She always wants me to dream with her. You know, like I get, I get, I get uh, too focused on how the hell are we going to do this shit? Mm -hmm. And she's like, would you just dream with me? Can we have a dream conversation instead of logistic conversation? Yes. 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 So she's looking for that from you with that Pisces rising and, and, so you, what you then look at is like, okay, she's looking for Pisces rising. So Pisces is ruled by Neptune. So where's Neptune in your chart? So how do we see like, okay, do you, how do you fulfill, how can you amplify that for her? How can you bring that in? And what's neat is looking at your chart, you've got Neptune right next to your moon in the 11th house. So for people who aren't attuned with astrology language, it is a language. So if you hear these things, you're like, I don't get it. Oh, we'll break it down for you. Um, So it's by having Neptune right next to your moon, it means like at your core, your nurturing and inner self is that mystical being. You've got that in you. I always tell her that. (laughs) I always tell her, yeah, I just need a little catch up. I'm there. Yeah. yeah mm. Yes. And it's in your 11th house. Um, so Which it's, is what, what house? That's a community house. That's mm. the house of community. So 
I'm curious is it when when you when you key into your mystical areas do you do that do you do that by connecting in with plants or with the earth yeah yeah both yeah exactly and um when i allow myself cuz i i grew up in detroit and not until my more adult years were, were that i communed with more nature mm. and really found the mystical power of being out with nature and tuning into the different frequencies around that. And that's where more of my mystical life started to blossom. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's actually when I met Rainbow. So Oof. when I met her was my first introduction to all of that. And so to me, she was like my wizard that kind of <laughs> took me a little bit on, on a journey, but then I found my own power in that, which was really cool. That's so beautiful to be able to hear that it's it's that the descendants being able to to resonate together and you being able to know like maybe there there might be times when you're like oh I just we just need to get this done let's just plan this we need logistics we have to plan the air airplane we have to plan we have to mm -hmm. to be able then to like sometimes that can be hard to tap into, right? Where you're like, wait, you want me to be mystical right yeah, now? You, you want me to actually celebrate before <laughs> we actually got the shit? <laughs> you know, that's what, she, she's more on that realm of believe it. And you don't have to see it to believe it, right? So believe it and then it will come. Mm -hmm. So um, I had to definitely adjust with that. Yeah. yeah. What do you find brings, helps you to ground? Do you find like in those moments where she's like, no, believe it. Do you find resources within? Yeah. When, when she says that there's a part of me that I know that I'm not tapping into my uh, trust in, in, in just life's path. Mm -hmm. So it, that, that enables me to expand more into just trust and trust in the unknown because there's vast amounts of experiences when we tap into the unknown as opposed to the known. So I really love, instead of wanting the universe to put things through a pinhole the exact way that I want it, I love the synchronicities mm. and the coincidences. And, and so when I'm open to more of that, that's really when I tap into more power mm. because I'm tapping into more universal energies around that so mm, I love that so I, i'm i'm curious with with what you just said about about rainbow and i where should couples look first like what part of their astrology do they look first and you said descendant mm -hmm. is where they should look first about about where their energies are for to see where compatibility is is there any times that there's not compatibility and then you work around that? How do, mm -hmm. how, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes it is sometimes it's not as as clear. Like with you and Rainbow's chart, there's there's some very clear parallels. When there's not clear parallels, you start looking at you you look at the ruler of the descendant. And then you look, where is that ruler in the chart? And how might that ruler be interacting with the other person's chart? So it, it takes a little bit of 
you know, unraveling and looking at things. But I don't, I don't necessarily see any relationship as being incompatible. I see them as being opportunities. Okay, right. Yeah, I like that because a lot of times I hear from couples, you know, they talk about their signs and say, we're not, we're not compatible as opposed to, no, there's just maybe more opportunities of maybe challenges for growth, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to maybe in some other area, they may have some ease. And as we know, also in relationships, first couple of years might be just spanky and fun and easy. And then uh, later on, it could be more challenging, whether that's life circumstance, but it's also about our growth and how we move through our chart, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. My, my partner and I, we've been together for 10 years and we have the opposite of most people's experiences where it was really hard for the first few years until we started to learn how to navigate things together. And it was only recently that I started understanding the aspects of of sinistry and how they were playing out. And it 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 affirmed what was going on in a way that I didn't recognize. There are some hard aspects where you can have your partner's Saturn could be on your moon or your sun. And Saturn is this energy that can feel really- That's the worker. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The worker, like work harder. It's not enough. What you're doing is not enough because Saturn's energy is like, I believe in you. You can you can do this. But Saturn within our culture is the not enough energy. And we're, you and I and everyone in in our generations that are alive right now, we're shifting that energy. We're shifting Saturn's energy from being a not enough into, I believe in you and you can do this. And here's the foundations. I will provide these foundations. And so we're, we're, we're collectively shifting the energy. And that's what I feel like I've been doing with my partner and I of, because of Saturn that work harder is on my son of who I am. I've, I've felt very often where I feel like he's oppressing me and then I'll check in with him. He's like, no, that's not what I'm trying to do. No, 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 no. And I see him interacting with other people and that's not real. And I look at the the facts and I'm like, no, he's actually really supportive of everything I do, including astrology. We're both scientists. So to be able to kind of take a leap out for the past 10 years and be studying astrology in a really deep way as a scientist and to be supported by my partner, who's also a scientist trained at Caltech, you know, is, is something where it's like the data points are there. I love that you say that because many people think that astrology is this woo shit. And, <laughs> you know, it's, there's data, there's scientific data. There's like, there's charting and there's um, degrees and all kinds of things that are scientific data. There are. And one of the, one of the places that I, that I go into a lot with folks um, that are kind of are like pushing against it where they're like, there's 13 signs of the Zodiac. There's this, why isn't it this or that? And, and the way I put it as, is it's about synchronicity, not causality. So, you know, when someone, when some, we think of a friend and then two hours later, that friend calls and you haven't heard from that friend in two years. And you're like, oh, well, how did that happen? You know, but you get these like feelings that kind of accentuate your life when these synchronicities happen. It's like, oh, wow, that felt really neat. There's something else happening. And it's like, it's almost, 
it's almost like there's a radio. And at certain times, we can tune into different areas of the radio and we're all hearing it, but the, we're not doing what the radio person on the radio is saying. We're not doing what the music's saying, but it's as if we're kind of being influenced if we want to be influenced by that, if we want to be open to it. And we're hearing a symphony and we feel like, you know, sitting down and reading a good book or we're hearing like hard rock and we're like, oh, I want to go out and work in the garden, you know, and, and astrology gives us kind of a map of time of like, okay, I'm going through this thing right now. And it's like a hard rock you know, music, I can use this energy and be able to get a lot of things done over these two years. Or maybe it's, you know, very, it's an emo tune that's going on. It's like, okay, this is going to be my time where I can write and draw and make space for what, what is moving in me and really take an inward journey for this year. That takes so much um, discipline in some way, because I know when, when Rainbow will tell me about this year has this energy as opposed to I'm saying, well, that's not what my mind wants to do. My <laughs> mind doesn't want to just relax and, and, and plant the seeds. My mind wants to, and, but yet when I surrender now, I don't want to say surrender to it, but um, play with it and use it in some form, then things, things get easier, mm -hmm. not harder. They get easier. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to like, pushing pushing something up up the hill yeah. and just like you know we were talking earlier of you know people uh one of the one of the experiences in astrology that people know a lot about is mercury retrograde and you know we hear a little bit about what to do what not to do and it used to feel like really restricting to me as opposed to can i utilize that like if if it really is about maybe reviewing things and isn't there's a lot of the rre type type mm -hmm. things we you know review your contract well and it's not like don't sign a contract it's like make sure that like you're reviewing it and mm -hmm. and i found that starting new projects right off the bat during that time was not good mm -hmm. um, and i'm wondering about people's relationships it, like marriage or something that they're starting in a mercury retrograde what what's what's your mm. thoughts about that i see it as yeah i i, I have a little bit more of a, a playful way with mercury retrogrades oh, yeah yeah so so i see mercury retrogrades as a time when i i notice for myself at least i'll speak for myself and let people make generalizations, but I noticed for myself that decisions that I'd made before that I was like, yes, we're going to do this. I start kind of backtracking and being like, mm, maybe that was not a very good idea. And then I start to get a little bit anxious that I'm backtracking on it. And then more anxious of like, why am I questioning this? Oh, maybe I just did everything wrong. Maybe when I key into like, oh, it's a mercury retrograde. Oh, okay, this is actually an opportunity where I can sit back and review it. And I notice that within relationships, it's a time where an, a partner can be like, but we already decided we're doing this. We already talked about it. We put through the plans and the other person is starting to question. And when we can know like, oh, okay, this is just, this is the time where, where we can relax and just take some space to rethink it and allow the other ideas to come forth because 
that's actually a beautiful thing because sometimes we rush into contracts, we rush into plans and, and we don't take the time to think about them because we're so excited. So the Mercury retrograde gives us that opportunity to kind of take a step back and see if maybe there are other things that we didn't think about. Maybe there are other ways of being with that question or that idea or that opportunity. And if we can utilize that Mercury retro energy to not feel anxious, I think that's the big thing. Like astrology in the old sense can feel very restrictive and anxious of like, oh, it's Mercury retrograde. I better not do anything during this time. And and I can feel the anxiety rising up inside myself. I can see it rising up in other people. And instead, can can we can we take times where we rethink and allow ourselves to broaden because Mercury is an alchemist. It is, it's an energy of the wind and ideas and travel. And and he, Mercury was able to go down into the underworld, right? So it is, it is an energy that can go deep into the psyche. And if we go deep into the psyche with anxiety, that, that can be hard. If we can go in noticing, oh, I have anxiety. Okay, I'm going to make space for this anxiety and hold the anxiety with compassion and care and see what we find down there as opposed to trying not to see because we don't want to see. Instead, just hold it, hold it with care. I feel like we actually can travel in different, different ways within ourselves and then make the decisions that come come about after the Mercury retrograde with much more clarity. So it's not about like, just wait until after the Mercury retrograde. It's like, wait, wait till you get to the end of this trail and see what you learned as you're going across that mountaintop. Because you might have different ideas that come through and just hold space for them. And maybe they won't change, but just light a candle and invite invite yourself to be able to take that, that space together. Mm, I like that. Especially what I'm hearing too is uh, we don't have to rush decisions mm-hmm. around that time. Like to really allow um, another viewpoint to come in or another way of feeling it and just give it some time to let that have clarity. Mm-hmm. I like that instead of don't do something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. that old Saturn way of being that we don't, we don't, we don't need to have anymore. Mm-hmm. We can we can trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really reaffirming to go back through and question things and then to come to the end of the questioning and the the feeling of of liminal space and to be like, yes, actually that's the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, that's grounding. That's yeah. really grounding. And what I like also is just to get another understanding of maybe somebody's constitutional being Mm. like rainbows from Denmark. I'm from Detroit. There's a certain constitution that I've I've changed in some ways, but there's an essence from even where I grew up that is not going to change. So I like looking at, like, I know uh, my moon is in Scorpio. Her moon is in Aries. There's an aspect I know for her where she likes to make quick decisions mm-hmm. and and I've kind of tried to like judge that at some times or move that instead of understand it. Like instead of get irritating, <laughs> irritated by it, it's like, wow, she's got like such great ideas, you know, and they're coming and she really wants to move, 
but I've got to be able to also um, put up certain boundaries around, okay, you may wanna do that decision right now and um, I'm not feeling it. How do we, how do we work it and compromise as opposed to thinking that element of her is really gonna change? You know, just like for me, I know I like to, I like to go, you know, really to the depths of of things with my moon and Scorpio mm-hmm. and and loyalty and 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 grudges, you know, with with people. I I'm working on that, but I know that that's going to be an inclining of mine, and she understands that also. So, I guess how how much do you feel some people's essence? is there and how much shifts and change can they make in the combination of, I guess what I'm asking is, is I see acceptance in understanding each other in that way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it's just gonna always be that way. Things can be shifting and and moving, but there's a, just another way of understanding um, people's constitution and inclining. Yeah. I love that you bring this up because I I feel like in relationships that can be a hard thing where it's like, well, why can't you just be like this person? Why can't you just be like me or this person? Why can't you be so disciplined? Yeah. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Change this. And, and I feel like that's where, that's where looking at your chart can help because then it can be like, well, that's just not what this brings nourishment. Um, yeah, for Rainbow, having her moon, which is the the source of nourishment in Aries, means she gets nourishment by being able to just go forth and do things and have that fire. And it's like, how do you find the overlaps within them? And what's neat with your chart is that her her moon is in the eighth house. So that means the house of ancestors, the house of depth. That's that's the house where Scorpio usually is if you do a normal house system or a not normal house system. If you do the traditional layout, Scorpio rules the eighth house. So your moon being in the eighth house is like, okay, can you connect at this ancestral wisdom, deep level, can can because she has that access. So it's like, how, can you find ways that you can both honor your your need to be able to go in deep and go slow with with answering questions and and making decisions and her need, because that nourishes you to go deep like that with Scorpio moon and her need to make things happen. And you can, you can connect at that eighth house of going into the ancestral wisdom, going into that depthful space and that's where I feel like astrology can can provide access points that we wouldn't normally logically think of, like going into an ancestral space, like where would we pop that up from um, unless that was part of our normal cultural, you know, dialogue. But yeah. Just, what's flashing through my head is just like, wow, you, you can, I wouldn't say that you could put me out of business, but instead of me focusing on validating and acknowledging and working with couples and that way, there's such a, there's such a benefit too of what you're just saying to help couples unwind some of their judgments of each other, some of their stuck gridlock. If you really understand um, where a person's needs and strengths are uh, in a non-conventional way of how we do therapy, I don't want to put myself out of business. I still think I'm a good therapist, but <laughs> this is a way therapist. to really enhance in in some way and have you found 
that when you do work with couples, because I know you work with couples to understand each other, that they end up shifting and changing some um, stagnant uh, gridlock that they've mm-hmm. had for a while. Mm-hmm. I see there being an opening and an understanding of each other. And particularly in timing is one aspect that I've seen um, being able to open up space for understanding like, hey, you're going through this part of your career cycle. You're at the peak. You're not able to spend much time with the family right now because you're peaking and it's going to last two and a half years with this peak. And then you're going to, your career is going to start not being so important to you. It's the world's not going to be calling this from you with such intensity. So how, how can the other person hold space and be supportive instead of being angry? And, and, and contrast of when, when there, when there's a transit going on and I look at Saturn, Saturn cycling through the houses, you can, you can see what, what area of a career a person is in. And that's a 30 year cycle that you go from kind of being in the trenches and things not really working to then being at the height and then kind of the, then the kind of the, the fields going fallow and winter coming in, in your career. And then you starting over again. And so you look at these timings and and when you have a partner that's going through one of those early stages of winter, early spring, that's challenging, especially in our, in our culture that's all about career and you are identified by your career. So when a partner is going through that, if their spouse can, can understand like, wow, that's where they're at. I can't, you know, telling them to apply for jobs every single day and where are they at and have they tried this and that and why aren't they trying harder? And that that will actually decrease the ability for that person to show up because they're already feeling that they're, they're going through the winter of their career. And so for their spouse to be able to give them that support and say, hey, I believe in you. I believe in you, I believe in you, can be so nourishing. And so I feel like the the timing, the constitutional nature of where people's strengths are, there's so many different aspects that astrology can bring to navigating relationships. And and I, I it, it is becoming where therapists are more and more taking on astrology in their practices. Yeah, I've, I've, I don't know of any personally, but I do know that there are therapists that, that offer both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about dealing with other family members too? Like how to, you know, most people, most people still have a lot of challenges from their, uh, their familiar base, uh, parents and all, you know, um, things that they have to unwind there. How could that benefit people of getting an understanding of like, mom is just, this way hmm. or um the way that i've been relating to mom i no longer have to relate i can actually use this energy of where i am now mm-hmm. and any thoughts about that yeah yeah the astrology charts definitely show where a person is wounded and where they can become a wounded healer um and you can then kind of be able to see like okay mom has chiron in the 7th house she really struggles with interpersonal relationships and that that can be an access point for a child to be able to be you know whether 
usually they're an adult if they're getting a reading, but to be able to see like, okay, that's where mom's hurting or mom is hurting in the 11th house of community. And that's where, that's where she struggles. And that's also where her key point of becoming that wounded healer becomes. So how do you hold space for that? Um, how do you know, like, okay, my parent just could not see me because our the way our charts were lined up was in such a way that they they couldn't see me or There's my, some acceptance there right yeah, yeah just being able to be like okay they just really can't fully see me in these particular ways of how I'm shining into the world but they can see me in the ways that I work hard or they can see me in the ways that I'm able to communicate and by being able to know the areas where your your parent was able to see you can kind of give you a basis for enlarging your viewpoint. So that trauma that might have happened by not being able to be seen as the person that you are by your parent can then kind of open to see like, but they did see this. And you can see that in your life. And then grounding yourself into that kind of gives you a basis of of resolving in a way it still hurts but it can open up access points of like okay mom we can we can maneuver and actually thrive together in these elements which then feeds the parts that might be harder to yeah. access what's coming to my mind is around the new moon and, and full moon and i'm wondering about using those energies for when somebody wants to have a maybe more challenging conversation or conversation that they want to start a new way of being with each other. Is there any influence in that to, you know, like, let's say I want to have a hard conversation with my mother. Do I look at where I'm at with the moon at all that would benefit a uh, more supportive conversation? Mm -hmm. That's a really great question. Yeah, definitely looking at the moon is very helpful because the moon is operating at the, the mundane level, meaning it's it's affecting all of us. So for a difficult conversation, being able to time it when the moon is in Libra, because it's that ability of relationships, or if the moon is in Cancer, because you're having that nourishing feeling of home, um, those two would probably be the ideal placements when you're going to have a hard conversation just so that you can feel the nourishment and or the connection. Um, as far as new moon or full moon, definitely if you're having a hard conversation and you want to be able to birth something new from that point, you know, it's a hard conversation. You're asking, you're asking for a shift in the dynamic of the relationship, doing that on a new moon. Like somebody that is uh, getting engaged. Oh, that's a beautiful time. I can also see a full moon as a beautiful time of engagement for an engagement because the full moon is this, like, it's the ripening. There's that energy. It's like, oof, things are coming to a fruition. And that's kind of what an engagement is. You have this fruition energy. Um, and I can also see it as a, as a new moon energy as well, because it's, you're, you're birthing something together. So I feel like the new moon and, and the full moon are both portal energies. It's it's when something's shifting in the world. A full moon for a hard conversation, probably not the best time. 
But you might also just notice that it just has to come out right then. Like we actually have to talk about it right now because sometimes when we leave hard conversations, they can fester. So it's, it becomes that kind of toying between like, you know, when, when is the right time and what's actually coming alive right now? And remembering that we're part of, we're part of these, these ecosystems, the ecosystem of the universe, the ecosystem of our surrounding ecosystems, the ecosystems of, of our inner bodies and what our inner bodies are going through. So we, we can't necessarily say, oh, I'm just going to hide underneath a, a rock for a while because this is, you know, astrologically not the ideal time to engage in a conversation. That's a hard conversation. Sometimes we we need to just trust ourselves and know yeah, that we can't use that of of a stone wall. Say, nope, I'm not going to have the conversation. Mm-mm. The moon is not in the, in the right. <laughs> no, yeah. no. I mean, if you can wait a day or two, or you yeah. know, you usually talk to your mom every two weeks, and so you can time it that way. But it, sometimes there's not the right timing, and instead, what you can do is be like, "Okay, there's a full moon right now, and I really need to have this conversation." And then knowing that that's there's there's potent energy there, and it's like when you're when you're at a grill or a hot stove or working on a fire outside, you just know like. Like, hey, I need to be careful with my hands. I, I, you, you take more care than you would if you're just boiling tea in an electric teapot. And, and so it brings looking at where the moon is does bring you like a mindfulness of like, okay, this, this, this is a hard conversation, and it's a full moon time, and I'm going to approach this with a lot of care and compassion and mindfulness, and really try to listen. And, and really request to be listened to when, when I do feel that it's time for me to be heard and, and just being able to create that container before the conversation can bring in a full moon energy of like, wow, we're actually getting to a point where we can talk about this. Something's Mm. coming to fruition. Yeah. Rainbow will ask me a lot during the full moon, how was it with your clients today? Mm. Was it more intense? Was there things that came up to the surface that... Didn't didn't usually come up and and uh, I'm curious about that. Do yeah, you notice that? I do notice that actually that there is some more intensity um, that happens. That and uh, I should actually try to chart a little bit when more surprises come mm. up in the conversations, um, whether it's you know infidelity or something that's big that people just have to come out, or if they say they don't want to be in a relationship or things like that. And I, I do see um, some correlation with that. That's interesting. Yeah. And I'd also imagine that Uranus might be part of that. Uranus is about breakthroughs and also doing things differently. And so the moon making transits to Uranus or other mm-hmm. planets having transits to Uranus would be so interesting for you to be able to track in live time because you're seeing these patterns that happen with couples every yeah. day. Yeah. This is so interesting. There's so much to transverse, and I'm so glad that we that we started. But in the last few minutes, is there is there anything that you want to you know um, just speak to that we haven't? I know that you spent so much time on mine and Rainbow's chart. Is there something that's popping up that you want to to share? Whether it's that or or something else for for people to be able to uh, feel aligned with pursuing more of this? Mm, a great question. There's so many things that are popping up, but what could be a good way of, of 
closing and sealing in this this beautiful energy, I th- I think what comes to mind is lichens. Um, so I study lichens. I'm a lichenologist. And lichens are these symbiotic organisms that grow on the sides of trees and on rocks and on soil. We see them a lot here in the Southern Appalachians dangling from the sides of trees. And lichens, they're symbiotic organisms. They're made of fungus and algae. So fungus is, you know, from the fungal tree of life, from the fungal area of the tree of life. And algae is from the plant area, the plant kingdom of the tree of life. So they're from two totally different kingdoms. They operate so differently. And what's neat about a lichen is that it's an emergent property of the fungus and the algae working together. So the fungus and algae working together, they create this organism that can withstand and do things that neither the fungus or the algae can do alone. They can persist in UV radiation. They can desiccate. They can go dormant for hundreds of years. And they grow really slowly, like a millimeter or two a year is the average rate for most lichens because they're a balancing, they're a part, they're partners. And so in order for them to grow, they have to be really mindful about the way that they grow together. And, and to just give that idea to our relationships, that we and our relationships are two totally different people. We're coming from two totally different contexts. And how can we have our contexts work together in a way that our relationship can give us the support and meaning and purpose and love and joy and excitement and adventure that we wouldn't be able to have apart from that. And and thereby, how can we nurture that? What kinds of climates and environments like emotional climates or like you know, activities, nurture that like and nurture that relationship and kind of think of our relationships as as an entity in itself. Like, how is our, how is our relationship feeling today? You know, is it tired? Is it excited? Is it going through a hard time? Okay. How can we show up in a way where we can, we can help navigate through this, this, this being, this relationship that we've created together that is breathing us as we're breathing it. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I always tell people that the relationship is a third entity Mm -hmm. and how are you actually feeding that third entity. It's just not you and you and that separateness. It's this, what's the combination that you both are bringing and that you have um, alchemized throughout Mm -hmm. your experiences together. Make sure that you're understanding and feeding that third entity. And sometimes that's about suspending our our individual needs for the we and really Mm -hmm. understand what the we is, not just I'm suspending my needs for you, Mm-mm. I'm just spending some of my needs for we. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for people to to see. Yeah, notice what we receive in return from that, from that we that makes it where suspending this need is fulfilling this need, which actually fulfills that need that was temporarily suspended. Um yeah. yeah. It's magical. It's yeah. so magical that we're creating these beings by being together um that that grow with us. And that change us as we change it. Mm. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Nastasha. Thank you, Prepo. This yeah. is such a joy. Yeah. So I'm going to have your information, your bio in the show notes for people to see. But 
how can they get a hold of you? What do you offer um, so that people that got juiced by this will be able to contact you and and journey on um, their exploration, either individually themselves or in relationship? Mm, thank you for that. Yeah, my website is beinglichen.org. So being as in B-E-I-N-G and then lichen, L-I-C-H-E-N.org. And, and um, yeah, I do readings for individuals. I do readings for couples. I love working with people who are going through transition phases, who are seeing challenging things come up in their life and that are are struggling to find their way forward and are trying to learn how to see without their eyes and without their mind. And so a lot of my work goes into like, what are you feeling inside? And then offering like, what what's going on with the planets and how might you be able to navigate what's happening in a way where you feel empowered and you feel encouraged and you feel held where all of these challenges are opportunities. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. I can see us doing another podcast, even around maybe something that's coming up in the months, um, let's say in summertime, mm-hmm. and to see like what energies are happening and where the uh, where the planets are to help people support in their relationships. So that's something that maybe you and I can talk about of uh, when we look at the different times of the year, how can people use that in a positive way in their relationship? Mm, I love that. I would love to do that with you, Prepo. Cool. Thanks, Nastasha. Thank you, Prepo. Mm-hmm. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit prepo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.